you got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. D-Mendy here is joined by my co-host, Michael Richards, a.k.a. Baby Huey, a.k.a. the wearer of sunglasses. Mike, how's it going? Doing good, David. Uh, happy to be back for another week. Love talking prospects with you guys. And we got another great guest for you this week, a guy I've respected since I came onto the scene. And uh, yeah, just another another great mind to be listening to about prospects. The guests just keep coming and they get better and better and better. And here at the call, we want to bring you guys the top prospect minds across the entire internet, across the world. We got a good one here tonight, again, with a man that is a taker of selfies. And we're going to get into those in a second, just what those selfies are. He's also the co-host of the Florida Prospect Report with his buddy, Eric. And it's a weekly baseball podcast where they discuss so many great prospect-related stuff under the Florida sun. He's also a prospect writer over at Fantasy Six Pack, and he's an O's, Rays, and Marlins fan, which, to be honest, we need to find that out first and foremost here. But we welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Bailey Sarebnik. How's it going? How's it going? Thank you so much for the, uh, for the introduction. I appreciate it. I'm really excited for our conversation. Yeah, we're pumped to have you on, man. I can't beat around the bush anymore. Why? How are you a fan of the O's, Rays, and Marlins? I, I guess the Rays and Marlins are both in Florida, but right. where does Baltimore come into all this? So uh, the first team I liked, and my overall favorite team, uh, is the Orioles. They uh, Before they did spring training in Sarasota, where they do now, they were in Fort Lauderdale, which is like 15 minutes down the street from me. So... Back in 2009, the first spring training game I ever went to was the Orioles. Um, my dad bought me a bunch of Orioles stuff at the game. And then the next year, that's when they moved to Sarasota. But they'd come back uh, to our, our side of the state for one game in Jupiter. So my dad got me tickets to go on the field during batting practice and meet all the players. And then while I was doing that, a guy in a golf shirt comes up to us and he asked my dad, hey, do you think he'd want my autograph? Turns out it was Jim Palmer. Um, Hall of Fame pitchers. So ever since then, I've been a huge Orioles fan. Um, my dad's favorite team uh, is the Tampa Bay Rays. So that's why I also like the Rays. And then I've just been to so many Marlins games over the years and Jupiter Hammerheads games, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I've just seen their players so many times over the years that I've just, you know, grown an affinity for the Marlins as well. So they're like my third favorite team. So here's the question you knew I was going to ask you. The Orioles and Rays play in the ALCS. Who are you rooting for? That See, that's the tough one because I'm going to an Orioles versus Rays game in like a week and a half, and I'm so conflicted on what to wear because, like, you know, the Rays are obviously, like, in a wild card spot right now, and the Orioles are, like, they're actually playing pretty well. Um, I'd probably root for the Orioles, but it's, like, it's just – at this point, I feel like I like them equally, so it would be really hard to decide. 
What about if one of those teams played the Marlins in the World Series? Oh, I would I would definitely root for that team, but I wouldn't be mad if the Marlins won because I gotcha. like a lot of the players on the team. That's totally fair, and all three teams are you know very admirable teams. They have a lot of good young players. The other question I have to ask you before we get into everything here, you have a lot of selfies. Uh, I'm looking at your background photo on your Twitter header here. So many players. Do you have your most memorable selfie that you can? You're like, this is the most memorable one by far. Oh, that's that's a good question. Here, let me let me look at my uh, my header. I'll probably go with one of those. Um, I mean, it's hard it's hard to beat Wander Franco. Actually, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give two. I'll go with Wander Franco because I mean, I got to see him when he was still on the Charlotte Stone Crabs before he was like you know a superstar. Um, and I was the very first person he came up to when there was like hundreds of people in line to get his autograph. So that was cool. But I think I got to go with Adley Rutschman just because I saw like his third career game when he was with the FCL Orioles in Sarasota. And there were maybe two or three other people there trying to meet him. So it was really cool to meet like who would a guy who eventually became the top prospect in baseball in front of like two other fans on a, at, noon on a saturday so it was really chill dude so i'll probably go with adley rutschman for that yeah i'm looking at these pictures man these are pretty dope some of them you have the flow and some of them you don't yeah that's uh and right now you look like you're kind of uh in the middle of a flow and not flow yeah i might, might get a haircut later this week i'm still debating i think i'm setting records for the longest intro ever i love it because it, you're such an interesting person to talk about i'm we could spend 30 minutes just talking about your experiences with the selfies and all that stuff but we brought you on because you're one of the best prospect minds in the business. Thank you. And we are going to, of course, as we do every week, talk about, first and foremost, the minor league players that are balling and caught our eye this past week. So our MILB Players of the Week, we start off, of course, on the hitting side. And we got to kick things off here with a guy who actually has not ever made an appearance on the show, which is always a good thing. Jose Salas, shortstop for the Miami Marlins and their organization. What exactly bailey is attracting you to jose salas this past week i mean i hate to say everything because i you know i feel like that's a boring answer but <laughs> i mean really just every aspect of his game is just um just so appealing and i would say if like if at this point he might be the hitter with the most upside in the marlin system ahead of khalil watson ahead of jj but ahead of all those guys just i think this is the guy who has the most superstar potential um, I think his speed has been understated a little bit by um, by some people. I mean, he's stolen uh, 19 bases this year in 20 attempts, um, and his power was always there. He was putting up above uh, triple digit exit velocities last season, but the results statistically weren't showing up. And then ever since about like the end of May this year, he's just been on an absolute tear. Uh, received a promotion to Beloit last week, and he's just continuing to hit bombs there um in a like a six game sample size he's he has a 146 wrc plus already has a home run there and four stolen bases so he has no no signs of slowing down anytime soon and uh fangraphs released their uh their top uh like their top marlins prospect list uh, about a week ago and i think he was like third on the list they gave him a 50 50 future uh value rank which is obviously really uh uh, high praise. So I think I think more and more people are going to start to come around on Jose Salas and realize that he's a, a very notable prospect. 
It's very interesting because you brought up about J.J. Blade and you brought up about Khalil Watson, and those are two of the names I think people always go to when they think Marlins prospects. And to say you think he'll be better than both those guys is definitely a statement, but coming from a Marlins fan who goes and watches a lot of these guys play and is plugged in, I think that carries a lot of weight just how good Mr. Salas is here. Absolutely. And that was not a slight at Blade or Watson at all. I think they're both going to be productive major leaguers. I just think Salas has the most upside. Like I think he can be the best overall player, highest ceiling at the major level, just based off his entire body of work. Even when in 2021, when I saw him, when he first debuted in Jupiter, he wasn't necessarily putting up the best results. Like he was basically like a slightly above a league average hitter, but just, the uh, way he went about his game, just like the exit velocities put up, the eye at the plate he had, it was very evident that eventually he was going to break out. And it's really, like, I guess fulfilling just to see the the month he has had and, the, you know, the stats he's continuing to put up as we enter July. Again, that's Jose Salas. Again, one of the best young players here in the Marlins organization. This next guy, many people have heard of, but I love, I could hear uh, Mr. Baby Huey talk about him all day. Anthony Volpe, uh, shortstop in the New York Yankees organization. Somebody who you will hear his name called in the Major League Stadium very soon. Maybe not this year, but even as early as next year, potentially. He's he's just a flat-out baller, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I believe this is the first time that we've talked about him on the show because his season's been a little down and he hasn't had a huge week necessarily, but it's finally starting to come around. He's actually been good for the last month. Uh, you can see there on the screen, two home runs and eight steals on the season. His average is down to 247, 341, 449. He's got the 11 home runs and 33 stolen bases. I love the steals there. What I would I like to point out most is the 10.3 walk percentage with the 19.6 K percentage. So he still has a good approach. He's still young for his age. I would say he was someone that was going into the season in contention to be the number one overall prospect. And, you know, I think Corbin Carroll's kind of taken that role, but if Volpe would have gone off, he, he would have been up in that range. So his stock is down a little bit. So I, I view this kind of as a buy low window, um, you know, with the excellent K and walk rates and the top end speed. It's, you know, it's almost like right now he's missing the power a little bit because that's down. But we saw what he could do last year. He hit nearly 30 home runs last year. So he's a well-rounded player. I would say he has an above average to plus hit tool, above average to plus power, and at least plus speed right now. So it's, it's a great prospect. Um, you know, I like to play with the stock market game with prospects. So, you know, if he's ranked number 20 or something like that, that's different than being ranked number two. So if you were in on him last year, I think you should go after him. And it's worth noting one last thing. He came on my radar last year, just like everyone else. But the first time I mentioned him on Twitter, he had six home runs and 13 steals in the beginning of June. So he didn't get off to a hot start last year. He's capable of going on a tear. And I think we may be seeing that as he's adjusted to double A. Mike, in a prospect only draft, where would you, is, is he a first round pick for you or is he somebody you'd more would look at in the second round? We'd say in 15 teams. Let's, let's say 15 teams. Yeah, I, I think he's right there. I think he's in that 10, 
it's hard to say. I haven't done the list in a while, but like nine to 13 range, I'd put him probably right now. And if you can, again, people look at his stats and are thinking, oh, he's kind of down. And, and like Mike said, maybe aren't thinking about him as much. It's a good time to to jump on that and scoop him up here. Let's talk about, I've got a couple Dodgers I'm going to bring up today. Let's talk about the first one. Diego, is it Cartea? Is that how you say his last name? Cartea? Cartaya? Um, he's a catcher in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Actually, their number one prospect, depending on where you look. But he's on the season at 283, 421, 987 slash 14 home runs, 48 RBIs. He's got 50 runs. He just homered in three straight games last week. I, I do think as of this taping, he got hit on his hand, I think, yesterday. So I don't know if there's going to be any long-term ramifications as far as playing going forward, if it's like a broken hand or anything like that, to check to see if there's an update on that. But he was somebody that has a lot of power. And on the season, I, I mean, he was hitting 283, a 993 OPS, 14 home runs across 134 pro games. And somebody that they, they've compared somewhat to Salvador Perez, but they think he's a lot further ahead in his development than Perez was at this age. Um, again, a lot of great bat speed, strength, power to all fields. I think he's somebody that I could see them using as a trade chip if they do believe in Will Smith long term, but he's got a lot of the tools to be a great catcher. He even is great on just the defensive part of things as um, uh, just being able to, uh, or actually, I, I guess defense he could work on a little bit, but offensively, he's going to be everything you want from the catcher position. Uh, the maturity, the leadership, the IQ, I think that stuff's going to keep coming with time. He's very young. He's only in high A ball, but I, I like Diego Cortea a lot just for fantasy. In terms of you look at the catcher position, it's very weak. Uh, for the most part, but he's one of the up and coming crop of young catchers. You, you saw it a little bit this year with Adley and, and some other guys, and he's kind of that next group, Henry Davis from the Pirates. So I, I think he's going to be a, a good fantasy player when he does make the big leagues. Let's now turn attention to the pitching side of things. And the first player we're going to talk about here, a guy also making his first appearance on the call up, and that's Tink Hentz a right-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals and their organization. And Bailey, he's somebody that's been playing pretty well this season. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many positive things I can say about him. Um, so first off, uh, so he's only been pitching in three inning stints so far. So we haven't seen uh, his, I guess, final form, if you will. Um, but in those three inning stints, he's just been basically unhittable. Um, and the strikeout numbers have been just, I mean, striking out nearly half the batters he's faced this year. Um, I was lucky enough to see him play last week and he, uh, pitched three scoreless innings, striking out, um, eight batters. So eight of the nine guys he faced, uh, he struck out, which is just insane. Um, and the craziest part about it is his splits. Um, seven of the eight batters he struck out last week are left-handed. Tink Hentz is right-handed. This is not something that's like you would necessarily expect from a right-handed pitcher. But so against righties, he, he is allowed in a, 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 a batting average of 177 with a 499 OPS. And 
In 38 plate appearances, he struck out 14 batters, which is still really, really good. But when you get to lefties, he's allowed a batting average against of 061 with an OPS of 249. And he's faced the exact same amount of uh, hitters, 38 plate appearances for lefties, 22 strikeouts, which is just, you know, that's insane. He's striking out more than half the lefties he, he faces. And just these um, these reverse splits are just, it's it's really mesmerizing to see if, like, over a full season, if this, like, checks out. Um, in terms of his arsenal, he has a fastball, and which I would personally grade at worst a 70. I think there's an argument that it's an 80. Uh, he, he's topping out around 98 right now. Uh, but the, and then his curveball is arguably my favorite pitch I've ever seen from a prospect. Uh, and lefties simply do not know what to do with it. Like one of one of just the favorite, one of my favorite things I've seen at the ballpark this season is just him throwing the curveball against lefties because they either just completely freeze and it drops into the strike zone or they swing right through it. Like it's just, so I, I would honestly say he is, at worst, two 70-grade pitches. And I think you could make an argument that his curveball or his fastball are 80-grade. And I think, you know, as we go deeper into the season, hopefully the Cardinals will stretch him out more, or maybe they're taking it really slow with him, and that's, you know, not going to be something that happens until next year. But just the command and the velocity and just really just the whole package he's shown in about, you know, like I guess two months so far has just been off the charts good. And I think – this is, you know, if you're playing in a, like a dynasty league, like this is a player you should be all over. 12 Ks in his last 5.2 innings pitched. Bailey, do you think that he could become a front of the line rotation arm? Absolutely. I wrote a whole article for Fantasy Six Pack a couple weeks ago, and the title was uh, Tink Hens has ace upside. So if he keeps up what he's doing right now uh, and is able to do it in six inning stints instead of three inning stints, I mean that that's an ace, you know. Just, I mean, he could he could strike out like double digit guys every time he goes out there and allows like less than two runs. I mean, that's that's really really good. And, and uh, you know, the Cardinals have a so so history, I guess, at developing uh, pitching prospects. I mean, Jack Flaherty in the short run uh, was a a good success story, but um, I, I like Tink's chances a lot. I love it. It looks like he's a, a stud in the making there. Let's talk about Kyle Harrison, who we've talked about a lot on the call-up. He is becoming one of the faces of this show here, and for good reason. His strikeout stuff is absolutely just bonkers. Uh, Mike, we need to talk about him some more, so tell us about Kyle Harrison. Yeah, uh, he is a, a reoccurring guest here on the show. Uh, I actually haven't had a chance to talk about him, but the stats just speak for themselves. Over the last 10 days, he's got 12 innings. 18 strikeouts, only given up four hits, two wins over that time. On the season, 65.1 innings, a 2.76 ERA, 109 whip, 43% strikeout rate, 10.7 walk, and a little lower 2.54 FIP. So he's actually been slightly better than his ERA suggests. Uh, it is very rare to have a 20-year-old lefty with three-plus pitches and command excelling in the upper levels. That's the main reason I wanted to bring him up. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's an easy top 10 pitching prospect right now. Uh, when I'm looking at age versus level stuff, it's really only Yuri Perez that you can make a strong case ahead of him as far as like 20-year-old and younger. Uh, and we've seen the value of, of quality Giants pitchers in fantasy as well. You know, 
players like Logan Webb, Kevin Gaussman recently, even guys like Alex Cobb. So it's a good team to be pitching for. When I look at the top pitching prospects right now, there's a group of players that are going to graduate soon. Shane Boz, Mackenzie Gore, you know, George Kirby, Nick Lodolo, guys like that. When all those guys clear the list, you're basically going to be left with Grayson Rodriguez, Daniel Espino, Yuri Perez, and Kyle Harrison. So to me, he's a top five pitching prospect in the not too distant future. And I think you should treat him that way in trades and value him in that way in dynasty. I do think this is a frontline rotation type guy that is going to be sought after down the road in even in redraft leagues. Yeah, just to your point, MLB.com, their prospect rankings, he's the third lefty on their list behind Nick Lodolo and Matthew Liberatore. I feel like his upside's so much higher than Liberatore. I just feel like that, like you said, his name's going to be, I feel like sky's the limit for this kid. His name's going to be so much more well-known next year. And this is the time to be able to jump on Kyle Harrison now if you're drafting with people and, and prospects that don't aren't quite as familiar with him. He's going to be one of those guys that everybody's talking about next year to where if you haven't already been on the train, you're going to be too late. So I, I do think he's starting to continually rise up, and, and you can see the statistics point that out for sure. Uh, a player that also is considered one of the top prospects here, he's the, the Dodgers' top pitching prospect. He's the number eight right-handed pitching prospect on MLB.com. Bobby Miller, starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. On the season, a 4.45 ERA and just over 62 innings, 73 strikeouts. He's got a 1.23 whip. Two runs or fewer allowed in nine of his 14 starts this year. But the reason his whip or the reason his ERA is mid fours is because in those other five starts, he's allowed five earned runs or more in all of them. So it's been basically boom or bust for him so far this season, but he still limited his opponents to a 224 batting average on the year. And I think one of the reasons people were scared off of him at first was they thought he might be one of those guys that ends up just being a reliever. And, you know, that's, they were saying the concerns about his delivery and the reliever risk is why he was the 29th pick in the 2020 draft. But I mean, in his first year in, in 2021 in double a, uh, 240 ERA, a 192 batting average against 70 strikeouts and just over 56 innings. He can touch 100 miles an hour with his fastball. He's got a uh, a slider that fades and does really well. A sinking changeup in the mid 80s. Uh, so I, you know, he's, I think he's got three good pitches. And I, again, he's somebody that probably you see next year, maybe later this year, depending on the you know the Dodgers pitching depth if they want to have him be a power arm in the playoffs and, and you know, pitch an inning as a, a reliever. Maybe he comes in this year, uh, but he's somebody that I don't think is talked about enough. And especially with the Dodgers in particular, and we, we say this a lot, they're sort of organizations that you trust their development of pitchers. You, know, you see the Yankees, you see the giants, you see the guardians, the Dodgers are in that mold where if you see a pitching prospect with the Dodgers, you definitely are a little more plugged in here. And I think Bobby Miller, the power pitcher he is, he's somebody that should get a lot more recognition than I think he does get right now. So he's somebody that I think is is great. He's coming off a, a career-high 10 strikeout game in six innings in his last start, which is why I brought him up on today's show. He's just somebody you got to make sure you keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about some notable promotions 
from this past week. We've got four that I made sure we, we noted here. Mark Appel to the Phillies. A great story on Mark Appel. If you haven't read about his story, you got to check that out. Corey Lee, catcher with the Astros. Michael Stefanik with the Los Angeles Angels infielder. And you got David VR with the San Francisco Giants. Really quick, Bailey, is there one player here you would like to highlight? Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll yeah, Mark Appel, that, that's just a really nice story to hear. Um, you know, hopefully he, he makes it with the Phillies and is able to be like a significant bullpen arm. I mean, you know, they, they definitely need one. So, and he looked good in his first outing. He pitched a scoreless inning. So, you know, I'm hoping nothing but the best for Appel. Yeah, same here. I, I think great story and it's something you got to make sure that uh, you keep an eye on. Hopefully you can ride it out in Philly. We didn't mention a player on this list that was promoted is actually starting tomorrow's game because we're going to talk about him later on. So if, you, if you're listening and you, the name that you know we didn't talk about, don't worry, we're going to mention him. One, one other thing, I actually missed this after the after we did the graphic, but uh, Josh Winder for the Twins got called back up to start today, I believe. And I'm not sure what's going on there, but he's someone w- that you probably would want to speculate on in redraft leagues at the back of your rotation if he's going to stick in the rotation. Because he's already 25, and he's he's shown that he's uh, better than minor league level. And he had some decent success early on this year before he got hurt, too. So you've already seen glimpses of it at the major league level. Uh, let's go through our prospect watch here. Some players that we're keeping an eye on, maybe down closer in, in the lower levels of the minors here, are players necessarily that you just got to make sure we're, we're watching. We, we got our eye on you here. And... Let's kick this list off here with our first guy, and that's going to be Dehayan Santos. I'm sure I butchered that name. So, Bailey, why don't you <laughs> correct me on this young gentleman here? Yeah, so the Dunedin Blue Jays have been really just churning out uh, intriguing starting picture- pitchers this year. They have, you know, Ricky Tiedemann, Nick Frasso, and Josper Zulueta all started down in Dunedin this year before they all got promoted. Uh, Dehayan Santos is still there. And what um, draws me to him is the strikeout rate. He struck out 84 batters in 50 and two-thirds innings, which is obviously really, really good. Um, in the month of May, he was that was his best month. He was on fire, allowed an ERA of 0.83 in 21 and two-thirds innings, striking out 43 batters in that uh, stint. And then in June and July, he's come back down to earth a little bit, but the um, strikeout rates are still elite. Now the walk rate, that's another story. Um, obviously a little higher than you'd like. Uh, he's still only 19, so I think there's a lot of time for him to, to develop, obviously. Um, I think he'll probably spend most of the year in Dunedin, if not just the rest of the season. He started the year as a reliever and then worked his way into the rotation, mostly pitching four to five innings uh, per outing. Um, so it's possible he's a reliever long-term, especially considering the walk rate. But whenever a guy has a strikeout rate uh, like his, it's definitely going to be notable. And uh, he's been getting results. So it's going to be interesting whether it's this year or next year to see how he does whenever he gets promoted to high A Vancouver because there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, very much electric stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, whether he's a reliever or starter, the, the strikeout upside is definitely relevant with him. Let's talk about another player here in the American League 
And we're going to go down to a player in the Seattle Mariners organization and Edwin Arroyo, shortstop for the Seattle Mariners in low A ball. Mike, what has you looking at him down in the prospect system? Well, we actually profiled him very early in the season when I started seeing the signs. He's only continued playing well all season long. As you can see there, 332 plate appearances, sitting 318, 392, 524, 64 runs, 12 homers, 54 RBIs, and 16 steals. He's got a 9.3 walk percentage, 22.9% K percentage. Basically, every stat I look for, 8.1 speed, which is a, a fan graphs tool I like to look at for guys that produce speed-type numbers. Uh, so when I'm looking at him, he was a second-round pick early in the year. Uh, Basically, there's a lot of hype going on right now on Twitter. I'm not sure if it's reached outside of that, but Jackson Trio for the Brewers, and rightfully so. He's an 18-year-old excelling in low A. But when I look at that list, it's it's a short list, and Edwin Arroyo is right there. And I could even argue he's better in certain ways with his approach right now. This is a guy who's checking all the boxes. Uh, he's doing better than Noelve Marte did last year at the same level and he's younger than Marte was. Mm. He's doing, he's the same age as Christian Hernandez, and he's doing better than him at a level higher. Uh, hit, power, speed. I mean, it's still early. He's still got uh, levels to clear, but I see him as a pretty easy top 100 prospect right now, and I'm not sure that everyone views it that way. Uh, if, if there's 100 prospects or less, or I guess 100 or more prospects rostered in your dynasty league, I think he should be picked up. Um, so overall, this is just, it's, this is one of those young guys who I think has huge upside, possibly even top 10 down the road. And if you're into all those other names that I mentioned, I think you should be into this guy as well. That's again, that's Edwin Arroyo. Make sure you keep that name in mind there. The player I'm talking about next AAA pitcher for the Houston Astros, Hunter Brown. I'm team Hunter Brown. What can Brown do for you? Well, he can do a lot of things for you. He, in his most recent start uh, against uh, the against Albuquerque, threw six scoreless innings, striking out, striking out seven, 94 pitches, 64 strikes, only allowing two hits in that start. His 242 ERA and his 92 streakout, strikeouts lead all of the PCL right now. He's MLB.com's number 91 prospect. But I think, honestly, the way he's looked a 2.42 ERA this season, a five and three record. He's doing really well in AAA. I think the big reason he isn't getting a chance is the Astros are just so stacked in their rotation right now. They can't even find a place for Jake Odorizzi because you have Christian Javier's breakout. You have Framber Valdez being one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. Even Jose Urquidy is now starting to to come along a little bit with you know Justin Verlander doing Justin Verlander things. Uh, they just don't have a place for him in the major leagues, but he's doing everything possible. You know, 92 Ks in 67 innings, a, a 1.10 whip. He's he's the real deal. I think he's a really good player that I, I don't think is talked about a lot. So Hunter Brown is, is somebody that we could even potentially, if there's an injury in the Astros rotation or two, that maybe you see his name start being uploaded around a little bit to be called up. But speaking of being called up, our last segment, who's next? Who do we expect to be next for the call-up? And we got to kick things off here with a player who was just called up. And uh, he's starting tomorrow's game. Today is Tuesday, the July 5th. He's starting on Wednesday, July 6th for the Boston Red Sox. And 
John, wherever you are somewhere, I know you are screaming excitement because you brought him up, I think, back-to-back episodes on the show because you were so excited for him as a Red Sox fan. Brian Bello, he is going to be getting the call tomorrow. Mike, what should we know about him? Well, first thing, I learned this from the Welsh when I did an appearance with him. It's actually pronounced Brian Bayo. The L's are mm. pronounced Y's. So just for future reference, uh, last 10 days, he's been good. He just got the call up, like you said. He's been one of my big breakouts on the pitching side this season. 85 innings pitch, 233 ERA, 104 whip, 33.7 K percentage, 9.8 walk percentage, and a 294 FIP. He's got a plus fastball, which touches 100 miles an hour on occasion, a plus changeup, which is great paired with that fastball, and an above-average slider. Uh, I believe he has average or better command. It says below average on his Fangraphs page, but I I think he's underrated there. If he pitches well, I believe he'll remain in the rotation this year. He does carry the risk of a demotion or a move to the bullpen if he struggles because this is a team that's contending or trying to. Uh, in terms of quality of stuff, uh, I compare him to like a Rowenzi Contreras. I think that's the level that I put him at. And I actually mm. came up with that earlier today, looked up Rotowire's rankings, and James Anderson has the two back-to-back. He's the best in the business. So that's the level of player he could be if he sticks in the rotation. He's on a good team. It's just a matter of the risk of rookies, you know, He's someone I'm going to be targeting in draft and hold type leagues and best ball next year and then picking up whenever I can during the season in other leagues. And we were talking about that we could see him having like the first player that came to my mind is Aaron Ashby, that he could be just someone you could see pitching three innings at a time. Like if their rotation is fully healthy and he's performing well, they're not going to send him down. They might be like, hey, you're going to come in three innings and give us three quality innings because we've saw the Red Sox were struggling with that role when they basically put Tanner Houck as the closer and they put Whitlock in the rotation. They were missing that bulk reliever that was giving them those types of of ratios and and innings. So I don't think it'd be shocking to see him transition to that if he's performing well and and they have their full rotation back. So he's somebody that could be helpful for you the rest of the season potentially. Um, Let's talk about I'm glad to see this name because he's been hurt for so long and he was somebody in the mainstay of this section for a while. I, I think this it's almost here. Max Meyer's season is is nearly upon us. I feel like Bailey, goodness gracious. You've, you've seen a lot of him. I'm sure pitch for the jumbo shrimp. Uh, he's a stud, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, it's good to see him finally healthy. Uh, he missed uh, some time this season with a right ulnar nerve irritation um that sidelined him in mid-may but luckily was not too long of a of a stint on the injured list as he is now back Uh, i'm gonna quote fish stripes because they sent a tweet about him uh yesterday that was really impressive um he's made 11 starts in triple a this season two of which were impacted by that injury but if you take those two starts out in the nine other starts in 45 innings he has 53 strikeouts with a 1.6 era and only one home run allowed. Meyer is the real deal. And even if you include those two uh, games where he wasn't pitching his best, he still has uh, really impressive stats on the season. And, I mean, if Braxton Garrett wasn't pitching as well as he has the past few weeks, it would be a no-brainer to put Meyer in later this week to make his debut. But, obviously, Braxton Garrett went almost eight innings in Washington over the weekend. 
and has really uh, been an important player in the rotation, as well as Daniel Castano. Um, obviously, long term, I think Max Meyer, of course, will uh, surpass Castano and Garrett in the rotation. But that's really the only thing holding him back. Like you would, um, it's just a matter of when the Marlins are ready to give him the call because he is ready. Uh, maybe they want to give him more time in AAA. Maybe they're waiting for a rotation spot to open up. But I think it's only a matter of time. He's really, really good. Oh, my gosh. Max Meyer is, is the truth. And I'm glad he was brought up on today's show. A welcome back, if you will, here. The last player we'll bring up, I'll touch on him real quick. Cole Reagan's starting pitcher in the Texas Rangers organization. Between AA and AAA this year, a 6-5 and five record, 3-2-5 ERA. 87 strikeouts and in 72 innings, a 1-2-1 whip. Allowed three runs or less in every start this season, but his most recent one where he did get blown up in that start. Um, I will point out his AAA numbers because, like I mentioned, between the two teams this year, uh, 281 ERA in 10 games. And for AA, he has four games in AAA with a 4-3-5 ERA, highlighted by the seven-earn run blow-up that I think really – blew up his ERA obviously in his last start but you got a feel for this guy this is somebody that you know he was drafted and then he had Tommy John surgery in, in 2018 he had Tommy John surgery in 2019 and then he lost the entire 2020 season to the pandemic so he had a three basically year stretch where he didn't really get to pitch and then last May finally made his debut pitched in the all-stars game the all-star futures game in July and uh, he's been compared by a few people to Cole Hamels. They both 6'4", kind of lanky, have a great changeup, a low 90s fastball that can get up to 95, but has kind of ride up in the strike zone. And he's somebody that he's, he's right now in AAA. The Rangers don't have a ton of great pitching. So if he goes and he shows that he can handle AAA and gets a, a better grasp, maybe brings that ERA down to maybe like low threes, high twos, I could see him stepping in there and being a, a back-end guy for that rotation. Maybe nothing flashy, but uh, they need pitching, and if he shows he can continue to make strides, he's somebody I would keep an eye on, potentially for the next guy to be called up there. Guys, we did it. In under 40 minutes, we talked about a whole bunch of players. We talked about Bailey's selfies. We talked about uh, uh, so many great things. Bailey, I, I want to say first and foremost for Mike and myself, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. And please go ahead and plug all the great work you're doing, where people can find you on Twitter and any projects that might be coming up. Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Um, and yeah, so for where you can find me, uh, I'm on Twitter at XWO Bailey, like the baseball stat XWOBA. Um, you can, I do a podcast with my buddy Eric, like uh, David said. Um, it's called the Florida Prospect Report. Uh, Eric is one of the few people I know who sees more baseball than I do on a weekly basis. So there's a lot that we talk about. Um, and I do write for uh, fantasy six pack, so you can check me out there. I write, a write about articles of what I see at the games. I love it. Make sure you follow him. He's one, again, one of the best prospect minds in the business and it, it just overall just great person. Mike, anything you would like to plug before we sign off? Yeah, my, I guess my next article is coming out this weekend on, fan tracks and I'm going to be looking at the early standouts in the complex league. So, you know, for, for deep dynasty guys, guys who want to find those guys before they become big deal next season, I'm going to point at the guys who are showing the signs early. 
Uh, again, Mike, you got to make sure you don't miss any of his work that comes out as well. Again, it's, it's stay ahead of the game in the prospect game here. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up here for week 13. For Bailey, for Mike, I'm D-Mendy. We will catch you guys for the call-up 